Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly of God podcast. Please join us at 9, 11 a.m. at the main campus and 11 a.m. at the Monk's Corner, Remount, and North Charleston campuses. Thank you for listening. We hope that God blesses you through doing so. Welcome to Faith Assembly of God. Great to have you guys here today. You look awesome this morning, and I'm glad you came to be with us, especially all of our guests and friends. Uh, we're, in, we're in God's story, and the whole idea is for you to find yourself in God's story, to find your place in God's story. And we are coming down to the conclusion of the Old Testament, and, uh, and now Israel has been already dispersed by the Assyrians. They have been scattered and uh, conquered, and now the Babylonians have come in and have conquered Judah. And they're going to take the best and the brightest out of Judah and take them back to Babylon. And that's exactly where we are in God's story. We're titling this section Recalculating because this is the time God sent the prophets prophets and the prophets came and they spoke and they were God's messengers to redirect Israel and Judah back to God. Trouble is Judah didn't always listen. And as a result, God had to punish Judah by letting them go into captivity. So now they have got off the course. They have crashed and burned, so to speak. And now they are living 1000 miles away plus from, from Jerusalem in, in Babylon. And so we're going to be looking at that today. Now, today's an exciting day. I welcome all of our campuses. Uh, we're by way of video, both at Monk's Corner and at our North Campus. And then again, we're uh, by way of video at our Remount Road Campus. So we welcome you guys today. Great to have you watching, tuning in. All those who are watching by way of our video venue or on TV, we welcome you guys as well. It's just great to bring the word to all of you today. Take your Bibles out. Turn to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to learn together what God's word has for us. We are, we are one church at four locations. And it's exciting to see what God is doing at all those different locations around the city. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. Daniel chapter 1. And I'll begin reading with verse number 1 today. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of the court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this uh, incredible story in your word, uh, uh, Lord, I pray that we will learn some powerful lessons this morning. As we look at Daniel, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I pray, Lord, that you will inspire our hearts to teach us how that we might live holy in an unholy society, in an unholy world, that we might, as believers, as your church, have an impact on culture. And so I thank you for your word today. May it find fertile ground. We ask it in your mighty name. You may be seated dominated by God's grace. And so you are, have an unsaved husband, an unsaved wife, uh, unsaved parents, family members, and, and whatever the case may be, it is possible to live a holy life in front of your family and impact them for the kingdom of God. So we're going to look at that today. How can we live godly? How can we influence our Babylon, wherever God places us, wherever God puts us? I, I have four things, in your, and on the back of your outline, you can turn over and follow along with us this morning and it's right there. Number one, resolve not to compromise. I will not compromise. Resolve not to compromise. Look, let's pick up the story. Look at verse number 18. And you've got them. They're back in Babylon. You know the characters now. And it says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and the wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should we see you looking worse than the older, than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. How many have ever heard of the Daniel fast? It's kind of spelled out right there for you. Not my favorite kind of fasting to do. Then compare your appearance with the young men and eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days days now babylon was probably as bad as it gets it was like maybe las vegas today it was just uh, uh it was filled with gold and opulence they had uh temples to marduk there were about 53 temples in the city of babylon alone daniel and his friends were probably about 15 or 16 years of age when they are taken into captivity into babylon most powerful city in the world. Rampant immorality all around. Now you can imagine, as a teenager in this huge city, they're away from Jerusalem. They're away possibly from their parents, their family, their friends. They were all left behind. They're away from all those guys. It would have been very easy just to blend in with the crowd. No one would see. Mom and dad weren't there. I've watched time and time again when young people go off to college. And as long as they're around faith assembly of God, as long as they're coming to church every week, as long as they're hanging in the youth group, they're doing all right. But something happens. They go to Clemson, they go to South Carolina, and they go nuts. And, and this was the temptation for Daniel and his friends. They're there. They, no one's looking. No one's watching over their shoulder. They could have just blended in and gone with the flow and did what everybody else was doing in Babylon. But instead, they refused to compromise. They, they, they chose to follow God rather than accept the practices of Babylon. Listen, God will be with you wherever you're at. 
You're not always going to be around your Christian friends. You're not always going to be in church. You're not always going to be at Faith Assembly of God. But God works with people wherever they go and wherever they at. Look at, look at verse number 17 there. It says, And to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding and all kinds of literature and all kinds of learning. And Daniel could, not underst- and Daniel could understand the visions and the dreams of all kinds. God is saying, I'm with you in Babylon. I will bless you in Babylon. I will take care of you in Babylon. I'm going to be right there beside you and with you. And the good news is God is with you wherever you go. Listen, when you walk out of this building, you don't leave God behind. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells within us and he goes wherever we go. And all of that, he gives them gifts, wisdom and understanding and he blesses them and he takes care of them and he gave them the bible says even the ability to learn the language of the babylonians now listen to me if we are going to be effective impacting our culture we've got to learn the language of culture I'm not talking about the swear words the curse words but we've got to understand the language of the babylonians so we can commute communicate the lord jesus christ You can't come in dropping all your Christianese language upon them. That will sound like Chinese or African or some other dialect out there. You can't come in and and drop all our lingo on them. You've got to learn the language of the Babylonians so you can communicate where they're at. The Bible says these four Hebrew children proceeded to do that. Uh, They wanted the Babylonians to know God's story. They wanted to be able to communicate, articulate it, so so Daniel and his friends could speak intelligently in the environment in which they lived. Now, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they could have whined and complained. They could have grumbled. They could have got angry at God. They could have got bitter. They could have said, God, what am I doing out here? Don't you know what's going on? Don't don't you see what's happening? They've been dragged to a foreign land. I I read one commentary. I I hope this wasn't the case, but but possibly if they're going to be servants to the king, they were made eunuchs. Pretty rough. Uh, Forced to serve a proud, wicked king. The same king who was responsible for destroying Jerusalem, their hometown. But they believe that it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar that moved them to Babylon. It was actually the hand of God working in their life, orchestrating their life, that got them to Babylon. It was God's working behind. Listen, you might be in Charleston today, and you may not want to be here. Maybe the company transferred you. Maybe you were transferred. Maybe they were downsizing. Maybe they said, you got to go to Charleston. you got to live in Charleston. you got to work down there. I want to tell you, it wasn't your company that necessarily moved you. It was God's plan and God's purposes. And when you embrace God's plan and purpose for your life, then he can use you and equip you wherever you're at. There may be teenagers here. You are uprooted from your home and you were brought to a new high school. And so you walk into that new high school and you don't know anybody. It was a, it was a little bit of a challenge when I married Jeannie. And she has a 16-year-old daughter and she's going to be a junior. And, and, and now Jeannie and her daughter got to move down here. They're uprooted from their, all their friends and all their family and everybody else up there in Wisconsin. Of course, they came down where it was warm. And uh, there's a lot of cold weather right now. What you think is bad out now? Go to Wisconsin. 
And, and it's possible that when you're uprooted from one place and put into another, you can get angry and bitter with God, or you can allow God to use you wherever he places you to be an impact and an influence on that culture. God wants to use you where you're at. So often we struggle to get out of our environment and we spend the whole time wherever we're at complaining and grumbling and griping about where I'm at right now. If I only could get back home, if I only could go over here, if only I had a different job, if only I had a different situation and I just wish I could get out of this job and find a new job, wish I could get out of this city and find a new city and it goes on and on and we grumble and complain but God has you in the middle of Babylon to work through you. People say, Pastor, my boss is so hard and it's so wicked around me and and, and I just want to get out of there. And I want to look at him and say, have you ever thought God has a reason for you to be there? He wants to use you where you're at to impact culture. And you will start out by doing that by, by not compromising, by showing there's a different lifestyle with you than everybody else around you. Second thing we see that Daniel does is, is he builds a platform of excellence. He will build a platform of excellence. Now, Babylon, uh, or Daniel and his three buddies are going to be head and shoulders above everybody else. Look at verse number 15. And at the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Jump down to verse number 18. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, probably three years by now, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none, listen to this, none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishaiah, and Azariah. And so they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom, listen to this, and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them, look at the next phrase, 10 times, 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Listen, the greatest way to get a audience, to get the attention of secular culture is not by carrying a 25-pound Bible to work with you every day. It's, it's not by getting on the internet and, and on, on company time and sending out all those catchy little church sayings to all your friends and everybody on Facebook and smashing them with all your Christian language and your scripture verse for the day. The greatest way to influence a secular culture is excellence. I got a little response from that. Listen to me. Be the best worker at work. Be the best student at school. Be the best, the brightest, the smartest, the most diligent. Be the very best you can be. And that will open up a platform for your faith to shine. What got the king's attention was not Daniel's diet, but his excellence. He was healthier and better nourished and in understanding and wisdom, 10 times better than everybody else around him. In a secular environment, you lead with your skill, not your faith. Now listen to me. In a secular environment, in a pagan environment, you lead with your skill, not your faith. You build an excellent, a platform of excellent first, and out of that comes your faith. 
The, the higher you build that platform of excellence, the greater your light will shine. Now follow me here. Listen, your coworkers don't care how much you go to church. They don't care how much you pray. They don't care how much you give. They don't care about any of that if you can't get the project done on time. If you can't get your assignment done. If you show up late. If you don't do the work. They don't care about any of those kind of things. Build a platform of excellence from which your faith can shine. And that's exactly what Daniel did. Listen, I know this world's not our eternal home. I know we are just strangers passing through. But listen, while we are here, Christians and believers ought to lead in every single area of culture. We're not to run from culture and put our heads in the sand. Uh, We engage culture and we lead in culture in every single area. Listen, there's nobody in Hollywood more creative than God. Would you agree with me? I mean, you say the, see the same dribble week after week. There's nobody in all of Hollywood uh, more creative than God. Uh, there's, God, listen, is, is more, has more wisdom than all of Congress, all of Senate, and everybody else on Capitol Hill. And I know you may not find that hard to believe. <laughs> Students, listen to me. Uh, workers, listen to me. At work... And at school, you believers have an unfair advantage over everybody else. You have an unfair advantage because you serve a big God who gives to us the fruits of the Spirit, uh, who has within us the joy of the Lord, uh, who who we can get up in the morning and put on the whole armor of God, listen to me, uh, who has a peace that passes all understanding. uh, uh, Within God resides all the wisdom of all the ages, uh, and we have the mind of Christ. Uh, Listen, you've got a very unfair advantage over everybody else. You've got the wisdom and understanding of God. The Christian ought to be the best student. You ought to be the best burger flipper. If you're in a hamburger joint, flip them better than anybody else. You ought to be the best waitress, the best nurse, the best doctors. The best. Why? Because you have God. You've got that unfair advantage. And if you build a platform of excellence, your faith will be on an elevated platform from which to shine. And that's what we're called to do, children of God. Build a platform of excellence. And that's exactly what Daniel and his buddies did. And King Nebuchadnezzar took notice, and he began to promote them. And then their faith out of that would shine brightly in the land of Babylon. Number three, Pray for wisdom to know what's right. Listen, if we're going to impact culture, we need the wisdom of God. We can't do it in our own mind. We can't do it in our own strength. We need all the wisdom of God to be able to uh, properly influence culture. Look, if you would, at uh, Daniel 2 and verse 14. We move ahead, and there's another story. Daniel has this, uh, this, the king has a dream. And it says, and when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Now notice the respect he has for the king of Babylon. Even though this is a pagan king, he always approaches him with wisdom and tact. Respect. He respects his authorities. Whether they're believers or not. Nebuchadnezzar is not a believer, definitely. You'll see that in the next chapter. 
He asked the king's officers, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. And at this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Now, Nebuchadnezzar has this wild dream, and he wants the magicians, the wise men of the kingdom to interpret this dream. And so they line up and they say, okay, king, tell us the dream and we'll give you an interpretation. Well, the king reasons in his mind, anybody can do that. Once you know the dream, anybody can make up a story and tell you what they think it means. He says, I'll tell you what, you tell me what the dream is and then give me the interpretation. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you. You think you got a tough boss. Tell me the dream, give me the interpretation, and I'll, and I'll let you live. Let's, let's read it on. Then Daniel returns. So Daniel goes and he asks for time. Look at what Daniel is. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. And he urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery. Now, where does he turn? He turns to God for wisdom. If we are going to function and operate in a pagan culture, we need the mind of Christ. We need the wisdom of God, and that's exactly where he goes to. So that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. And he goes on in, and he interprets the dream. Now listen to me. Daniel speaks to the king with wisdom and tact. He always exhibits total respect in his environment in Babylon. Daniel's humble, he's respectful, and because he's humble and respectful, this opens up the door for him to have favor with the king. How's he get favor with the king? Give me 24 hours. King didn't have to do that. He was ready to take their heads off right then. Give me 24 more hours. How did he get 24 more hours? He approaches him with wisdom and with tact. He's respectful. And so he gets an audience with the king. And, 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 then he, and then it opens up the door for him to speak. And he begins to reveal the mysteries. And he says in verse 28, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Now listen to me. The, the, the God of the Babylonians was Marduk. And, and so what Daniel is saying to King Nebuchadnezzar is, Marduk's not going to be able to help you. He can't do it. Listen to your magicians. They're clueless. They don't know what's going on. The gods of this world will never give you the wisdom you're looking for. But he said, but there is a God in heaven. You see, his excellence, his humility, his respect opens up the door for him to impact the king and the culture around him. There is a God in heaven. Yahweh is greater than Marduk. There is a God in heaven who can do all this. You see, God did not, and he comes and he interprets the vision, and, and Daniel's elevated and promoted in the land of Babylon. God did not take Daniel out of Babylon, uh, but God gave him mercy to be effective in Babylon. And so Daniel literally becomes salt and light to his world in which he lives. That's what we're to be in Matthew. Pray for wisdom in any environment. And number four, pray for courage to act even when it is hard. Pray for the courage to act. Now turn to Daniel chapter 3 and look at verse number 1. And this is a story you may be familiar with. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and set it on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. So a 90 foot tall statue of himself 
you talk about a guy who's just a little bit narcissistic, it might be King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, jump down to verse number four. Then Harold loudly, then the herald loudly proclaimed, this is what you are commanded to do, O people, nations, and men of every language, everybody in the kingdom of Babylon. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music. Uh, Laurel, we need a zither on the plate, stage. Let's get us a zither and a pipes and harps and, and lyres. And uh, so it's, it's amazing. The scripture is so detailed. It gives you every instrument in the band. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. There are times when Babylon will push you to places you cannot go. At work school you'll be challenged to compromise you'll be challenged to bow down to the gods of this world if you want to be accepted you'll bow down if you want to keep your job you'll bow down and 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 it will push you farther than you can go the lord uses these three men to remind the king who really is in charge who's in control And he does it in a very public way. And so they have this dedication ceremony for Nebuchadnezzar's image. Uh, It's up, they're out in the plains, and there's people all around. As far as you can see, the band is there. All the instruments are there. All the dignitaries are there. The king is there. It's just a great, great ceremony, and they're all going to bow down. And the music cranks up, and all you see is a field of derrieres in the French. But out in the middle of this entire field, there are three men who are not bowing. They're standing up. They're not moving. There there, there comes a time when Babylon pushes too far and we got to draw that line in the sand and say, I will not bow down. The Bible says the king is furious with rage. And, and, And he basically says, you're fired. Literally. Think about it for just a moment. You'll get it. He cranks up a furnace and he gets mad and he cranks it up hotter and hotter. Babylon. Babylon, our culture today says, if you don't do it our way, you're going to be fired. We're going to have to let you go. And and, and if if we fire you, who's going to pay your bills then? Who's going to pay your rent now? If you don't bow down, where are you going to get another job? Their response, look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us From your hand. How many know God is able? Everybody say that. God is able. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They're saying basically, King Nebuchadnezzar, you will not control us. You will not dictate our lives. You will not control our lives. Only God will control us. Only God will lead us. Only God will, will we serve. 
And, and, and sometimes, listen to me, sometimes God will deliver you out of the fiery furnace. And he'll do a great miracle, and he takes you out of that situation, and everything is going great. But I will tell you, always he will go with you through the furnace. He will be right there by your side every step of the way. And when you take a stand for God, God is right there with you. And look, if you would, at verse 24 and 25. This is an incredible story. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. And he said, look, I see four men, quattro, walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Wow, what a party in the fire. God's right there with them. They're praising the Lord. Uh, Their clothes weren't even singed by the fire. God will go with you. Listen, sometimes God will give you the wisdom in any kind of situation or solution you need for a particular problem. But there are times you just simply draw a line in the sand and you stand on obedience on God's word. And you will not bow down and you will not compromise even when it's hard or even potentially fatal. Wow. Everyone may be doing it. Teenagers, listen to me. Everybody may be bowing down. The whole field may be bowing down to the gods of this world. Uh, Child of God, you don't have to. uh, Stand strong in your school. Stand strong in your environment. Uh, Adults, stand strong for God at work. Uh, Refuse to bow down. Jump to Daniel chapter 6. Now we look at the case of Daniel. He is now, Belteshazzar follows King Nebuchadnezzar. This is Nebuchadnezzar's son. And he has a party and they're all drunk. And then that night, the Medes and Persians come in. And the Medo-Persian Empire. And King Darius comes in. And he is going to uh, take over now Babylon and turn it into the Persian Empire. And all this time, Daniel has been right there in Babylon. And and Darius recognizes his abilities. He recognizes his skills and his wisdom. And already, even in the new Persian Empire, Daniel is climbing the ranks. And he's going to be one of the top dogs in all of Persia because of his excellence. Now look at verse chapter 6 and verse number 4. At this, the advisors, the administrators, and the satraps tried to find ground for charges against Daniel in this conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Wouldn't it be great if the only charges anybody could find against you were serving God and following God? I mean, they couldn't find a thing wrong with Daniel unless it had something to do with his God. And they, they, they tricked the king into passing the edict that, that uh, if anybody was caught praying, we're going to throw them into the lion's den. Now listen to me. This lion's den thing is pretty fascinating. Lions were a symbol of imperial strength and power. And often the kings would go out and they would hunt, they would have special parks for the kings where the kings could go in and hunt the lions. And they would go in and find the lions, hunt them, capture them, or kill them. And when a king did that, it was showing that he was more powerful than the lion. 
than that imperial symbol of strength. And so he was the greatest sovereign, the greatest ruler, because he had his own lions. Now, this is obviously what Darius did. He had his own now den of lions uh, that he has collected, uh, showing how powerful and how regal and how royal he is because he's the one who has these lions in this lion's den. Jump down to verse 21, though. This is really neat. Daniel answered, O king, live, for, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. What, through Daniel, God is saying there is a greater king than Darius. Uh, there's a greater king. Uh, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, he comes down and literally shuts the mouths of the lions. Listen, Daniel would not stop praying. And I will tell you, if you're going to make it in Babylon, if you're going to survive in Babylon, you better have a a keen prayer life. You need to pray and seek God every day. You need to stay in his word and let God feed you through your word. Otherwise, you will not survive out there in Babylon. And because Daniel kept praying and seeking God, God protected him. And he is showing, I am greater. And he comes down and he closed the mouths of those lions. Listen, when you're in Babylon, listen to me. You'll start by building a platform of excellence. Do your best. Be your best. Excel. Seek God. And then that will give you a platform for your faith to shine brightly in a pagan culture. And God will give you wisdom, and he's also able to give you courage in your time of need. And your purpose is that God will work in you and through you to influence people all around you. It's not just about you. It's that God has raised you up. He's put you in that place. He's put you in this culture so you can be an influence. So you can impact culture. The way Daniel and his three Hebrew children lived on foreign soil pointed people to God. Now look at what happened. And I'll jump back to chapter 3. Look at what happened in Nebuchadnezzar's case. Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 3 and verse 28 and 29. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. What's happened? Because they they would refuse to bow down, Nebuchadnezzar says, praise be to God. Shut down the ban. Stop the idol worship. We're going to praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They trusted in him and defiled the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree, this is a decree, that's come from the king. I decree that the people of any nation or language who sow anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. Their houses turned into piles of rubble, for there is no other God that can save in this way. What an influence. What an impact. Jump, if you would, now to, to, to Darius. Jump to chapter 6, verse 26 and 27. I issue a decree. Darius is going to do the same thing. That in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Isn't that incredible? Listen, we live in Babylon. 
It may be called Goose Creek. It may be called Somerville. It may be called Charleston. But I want to tell you, Babylon is all around us. It may be Stratford High School, Somerville High School, Cane Bay High School. But I will tell you, Babylon is all around us. And God wants to use us, his church, his people. He will raise up leaders. He will exalt leaders in government. He will exalt leaders in media. He wants to use you in in all kinds of social fears of influence and in society. God can use you to lead people to Christ. And because of your life, because of your witness, because of your testimony, they will say, the God, the God of Daniel, the God of Shadrach, the God of Ralph and George and Charlie, uh, the God of Mary and Sue and Sally, uh, that's the God we're going to follow. God can use you to lead people to Christ. His light always shines the brightest in the darkness. God wants to use you. God wants to give you wisdom. God wants to flow his giftings through you. God wants to raise you up to have an impact and an influence in our culture. We're not to come into our church on Sundays and hide in our fortresses and sing our songs and then leave and blend in the rest of the week. God wants to use you to make a difference at Boeing, at Bosch, wherever you're at. God wants to use you. You see, you got these two incredible stories that are always going on. And, and, and if you've been following along and been going to your home groups on Wednesday night, and we've been talking about this stuff, you understand there's the lower story, there's, there's what's going on down here on the earth, and then there's God's upper story, where God is always working behind the scenes to accomplish his eternal plan. And in the lower story, you've got four guys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're a long, long way from home. And they're in a foreign land. They have been uprooted from everything they know. How many know we're away from home? This world is not our home. Our home is that new Jerusalem. Our home is heaven. And you got this lower story, and it's all about the king's food, and it's about dreams, and it's about statues, and it's about fires, and it's about lions. But then you got the upper story. And God is always working, and he's blessing, and he's promoting, and he blesses four foreigners with wealth and wisdom and health, and he raises them up, and he reveals to them dreams and visions uh, that they got directly from God himself, uh, and now they're walking in the fire, and they're standing there while God is holding the mouths of lions shut. I want to tell you, it is possible not only to live godly in Babylon, but to influence Babylon and influence our culture. I close with this verse. Peter said it well. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage warfare against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That's the word for us today. That's the word for us today. That they will see your good deeds. They'll see your life. They'll see the difference. And you will make an impact wherever God has you. Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.